This is a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. ideas of 
like these battles in my head, and then I'd run around the backyard and pretend I was somewhat in a battle, but not just in the battle, but I had to be the commander every time. It was like, how am I going to figure this out? And then one day the neighbors said to my parents, you know, that kid looks like a caged lion running around your backyard. And uh, I was very, very obsessed until I realized I liked acting like I was in the army more than I actually wanted to be in the army. And so I, uh, then I went into theatre and musical for the arts. It was very exciting. And I played, I played many army generals during that time, including King Henry, who was doing the battle. Ah, we few, we happy few, we banded brothers, this day we shall call the day of St. Christmas. Anyway. <laughs> but for some reason, I really had like an admiration for people who were in the army. For some reason, I, I thought of these men and women as heroes. I wanted to be like them. And I wonder what we can learn from them. Tomorrow we'll go to Anzac Day uh, parades across the Central Coast and we'll honour the Anzacs because in some sense there's a sense of heroism. And I wonder if that can relate to the heroism that we find throughout the Bible, the heroism we find in Christ, the heroism we should embody ourselves in church. And so I just want to talk about a few things that I think about the Anzacs that I think can relate to our church tonight and have a discussion with you and just reflect. Uh, my dad was in the Navy for 20 years. And I think on this next slide, you're going to see a photo of him and his Navy mates. Oop. <laughs> Caleb was, came in last minute tonight so that someone didn't have to do it alone. There we go. And... Uh, my dad really got into Instagram after reconnecting with his Navy mates. It's amazing what technology can do. And uh, about, I don't know, about five years ago, my dad met up with Navy mates that he hasn't seen for 35 years. My dad's very good at captions. Anzac Day March in Bansdale, Victoria. Finally caught up with these blokes after 35 years. My dad is uh, one, from the, one from the right in the light blue shirt. And uh, I got to go on that trip with him, and my dad just went down to Victoria where one of his mates lived because they connected over Facebook or something after 35 years, and they invited them all together. And it was amazing to watch my dad interact with these men he hasn't seen for 35 years. It was like, it was like not a minute had passed. Seeing them interact, seeing them talk to each other, and then one of them had a wife that, uh, you know, they're all men each other's wives and whatnot. And she came out with a plate of meat pies, and on the meat pies were peas on top of the pies. And all the men went, oh, oh, oh I can't believe you did this, I can't believe you did this. Because in the Navy, near the Navy base, they used to go to Harry's Pies, at the Harry's Pies, and they'd get a meat pie with peas on top, and that was like their lunch break in the Navy. And all of a sudden, they're catching up after 35 years, and now comes a tray of meat pies with peas on it. And it's just amazing watching them, watching the camaraderie, watching the mateship that is characterized in our Anzacs. My dad wasn't particularly a, uh, serving those 20 years during any um, effort of war. He wasn't a wartime um, uh, uh, military man, but nonetheless, they did a lot together. They traveled the world. Mateship is so important. Camaraderie literally means a mutual friendship or trust that comes from spending a lot of time together. And mateship is even deeper than that when we hear Anzac Day speeches. They talk about mateship being like, well, we don't leave our wounded behind. A mateship on the battlefield, a mateship off the battlefield. I wonder what it would look like in our church 
We got to spend so much time together that we built in trust and friendship. There's, of course, scriptures that I'm half taking them out, half plucking them from the Bible, and I understand that. Nonetheless, I think each sentence is incredibly true. Hebrews 13, 1 says, Let brotherly love continue. Romans 12, 10 says, Love one another with brotherly affection, or sisterly, of course. It's a theme throughout the entire Bible. Mateship, camaraderie, working together. A body that needs every limb, that needs every organ, working together. Mateship and camaraderie. I respect that characteristic in my dad. I respect that characteristic in his friends. And I respect that characteristic in the people here at this church, who I believe also embody that spirit. Perhaps with us, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit to love one another and serve one another like that. But I want to grow in this. I hope there comes a day in 35 years' time where maybe I've gone off and travelled the world. And maybe Dylan has gone off and travelled the world. And 35 years later, we connect on whatever social media app is prevalent at the time. I guess it's going to be some sort of hologram content that you scroll through and it sort of puts a hologram up there and it looks like 3D. I guess that's all it'll be. And one day I'll see Dylan, an adult Dylan, 35 years later, and I'll think, geez, we should travel to some random place and have a cup of coffee and catch up on a Tuesday like we currently catch up on a Tuesday. And I wonder if we talk and I wonder if it would be like not a minute had passed because we spent so much time together in this church. We had camaraderie and mateship and we built something together and we did something together and we served something together. That's what I want it to be like with each of you in this room. I think that would be pretty amazing. So camaraderie, let brotherly love continue. Second, the military has a mission. It has a purpose, has a vision. The official vision of the, the mission or vision of the Australian Defence Force is the defence mission is defend Australia and its national interests in order to advance Australia's security and prosperity. It's their mission and their vision. And do they do it well? We know the Anzacs that we will uh, remember served and lost their lives, they served and lost their lives defending Australia. And I do genuinely believe that we walk freely on this land because of the Anzacs that went before us. Not that war is good, not the war that should be glorified, but it's something that seemed to have happened in our fallen world. And how much respect do I have for the men and women who rose up to serve in a time of need? I'm so sorry about this because I didn't put a bookmark in this one. <laughs> Let me just quickly uh, just refine this one. I thought I wrote them down in my notebook so I could just read them off. It's, it's one of these books that's like one or two pages. It's always very difficult to, very difficult to find the right Sorry about this. Sorry about this talk. Sorry about this. I'm just going to talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> oh, there we go. Oh, oh, there we go. Six, twelve books about fight the good fight, the fight of faith. Take hold of the eternal life for which you were called, and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I mean, before it, it talks about um, 
false teachers and different things you could pursue in life, different desires you could pursue. And it says, but as for you, O man of God, flee these things, pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness, fight the good fight. There is a mission, a vision, and a purpose within our Bible to fight the good fight. There is a mission and vision and purpose within our church to be desperate for God and passionate for people. When the army comes together with a common purpose, we love Australia, we're going to defend Australia, we can love other countries too. I'm just making a notable point. Oh, the things they can do. And if we came together as a church and we knew that we were going to be desperate for God and passionate for people, the vision here has never changed. Oh, the things that we can do if we came in unity together. I want to have a mission, a purpose, and a life. Of course, I've been reflecting on this recently as I run a youth ministry and people ask questions like, what is our vision? And I thought, it's interesting that vision is often thought of this like future or, uh, uh, you know, you talk, you, you talk about qualitative um, talk about what aspirational values. You talk about aspirational values. So you write a list of values and that's what you're aspiring to become. You want to be, you want to be these values. And in one sense a vision is almost like we have this vision for the future to be desperate for God and passionate for people. And it's like it's almost like a vision is something that you create in your head. We have this vision, we have this picture of what the church should be. But I thought, what does it look like looking out? What is the vision that we actually see? when I walk somewhere or see something. The vision of the Australian military is to protect Australia. But what did they actually see when they came to the shore of Gallipoli? What was their vision? What did they actually see? It might have looked something like this. What they actually saw might have looked something like this. Horror, torment, war, mess. The vision of the church, the vision of the young adult ministry, the vision of the youth ministry, the vision of our connect groups, the vision of the women's ministry, the vision of the men's ministry, the vision of all the things we do is desperate for God, passionate for people. But doesn't it look different when we actually look at it? Sometimes youth ministry looks like a war zone. It really does. Sometimes young adult ministry can look clicky. Sometimes it can look clicky, it can look divided when you look at it from out, when you actually look at it. And yes, our church has a vision to be desperate for God and passionate for people, but when you actually look at it, what is the vision? When the soldiers came up to Gallipoli, defending Australia with the same goal, with the same mission, they came up against things they weren't expecting. (laughs) No, I can't tell you the things I usually don't expect in a youth ministry. You'd be horrified. And so the chair of the board's here, and I don't, want to know, I don't want him to know all the things that the kids are up to on a Friday night. But sometimes you walk in and you're just like, well, we've got a vision, we've got a mission, desperate for God, passionate for people, but tonight, don't know how I'm going to do it. Mate, give me those white-out pens, I stop what you're writing on our walls. Thank you, confiscate those. <laughs> you know what I mean? Sometimes you don't know what to expect. You don't know what young people are going through. Our youth ministry changes night to night depending on what kids are there. It's true. So it's like it's like a level. Sometimes we have more Christian kids. Sometimes we have less Christian kids. And you can feel the atmosphere. The vision's the same. Desperate for God, passionate for people. But the vision, what we see, is different. The Anzacs are known for their creativity and inventiveness. 
I remember hearing stories growing up in school, in primary school, when we used to study the Anzacs, and they talked about all the useful things they had to create when they arrived at Gallipoli, because they didn't know what to expect. They like, it was like landing, and, and it's like there's cliffs, and there's all the different things they had to dig dugouts, they had to do all sorts of stuff that they didn't know, and it couldn't be written in a vision, and it couldn't be written in a mission statement, because they didn't know, they just had to rock up and do it. And the Anzacs, our Australian and New Zealand troops, are known for their creativity and inventiveness. And I wonder if we as a church need to be known for our creativity and inventiveness. Youth, young adult culture, very, very sad, very, very sad. Eight youth suicides a day in this country. More than anything. More than cancer. More than health. More than anything. That's what we see. And as I look at that, I know I want to be desperate for God and I want to be passionate for people. I see it. And how can I be creative and inventive in ways that I can bring as many youth in our doors as possible so that we can reach them, that they would have fun, that they would hear a little bit about the gospel which can change their lives and give them full hope and joy. Got to be creative and inventive. 1 Corinthians 9.22 I can find it because it will take me a million years. But essentially it says, I become all things to all men for the sake of the gospel. Paraphrase. The Jew I become a Jew. To the, to the Greek I become a Greek. To the poor I become poor. To the rich I become rich. To the weak I become weak for the sake of the gospel. And that's why I've grown my hair out like a lunatic. Because sometimes you just got to, you know, get up with the culture and um, Afro's a little cool right now. Why are you shaking your head to him? <laughs> a mullet's a cool. Well, I do have an idea to shave this into a mullet, but it is what's in, it's what's in. And it's why I take my shoes off at a PM service, because I want the PM service to be casual, because the kind of people I'm trying to reach who are young adults are pretty casual. It's the reason I put the lights like this, because when you go to the Bond Pavilion, which is the best restaurant on the coast at the moment, it's dim lighting, and it's classic hip-hop jazz. And they're the kind of people I'm trying to reach because that's where my friends go and it's also where the older people go. So I'm going to create this environment where, like an environment they might feel comfortable. And it's why in the morning service I put on a linen shirt and iron your boots. So otherwise the old people would not be happy with me. I know how to become all things to all men. <laughs> to the young I become young. To the young adults I become young adults. To the elderly I become elderly. You should see me work the crowd at the nursing homes when I go and preach. <laughs> put a little product in the hair and they all say I'm jealous of you I had to get perms to look like that <laughs> creativity and inventiveness the Anzacs are proud they don't shy away from who they are I got uh, the privilege of going and seeing my sister uh, and I guess getting well in the church but we call it something, so I guess my sister getting inducted into the Navy and my whole family went to watch. Now, my parents didn't cry when I became a pastor, and my parents didn't cry when my sister started university, my other, I have two sisters, but when my younger sister marched out onto the field for her passing out parade, my mum and dad were bawling their eyes out, and I thought, Jeez, I wish they'd be proud of me like that. <laughs> and I was got a pretty emotional too. Because there's something real special about someone who's proud of what they're about to do when they've got the uniform on. When they're chanting at the top of their lungs, when they're marching in unity. When they're 
and they're following in the footsteps of their father in some regard. My sister was good. Just makes you cry. My sister is not ashamed of her uniform. She loves it. It's all over her Instagram. She loves it. Spirit of the Anza. I wish I was like that with my Christianity. Sometimes I, as a pastor, so you need to understand this because it happens to pastors too, I get very afraid of telling people what I do for a living. If I go get a haircut, I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> I get a haircut. If I, I move into a new apartment, you know, and you meet people in the stairwell and they ask you what you do. And I am deeply afraid of telling people what I do because so many people have such a distaste towards churches, particularly child safety and things of that nature. People have a really distaste towards men, men in positions of power within churches. And sometimes I get really scared to tell people what I do. And sometimes I get really sometimes I feel like it's actually, it's like I, I feel a visceral feeling, an actual feeling where it's like okay, I've got to make a decision here. Do I tell them what I do and then they're going to avoid me in the stairwell for the next three years while I live here? really not quite scary. And I wonder if it's scary for you. You're a Christian, you come to church on Sundays, then you go into your workplace, and you know, they ask, what are you doing this weekend? It's almost like you just don't want to respond, I'm going to church. <laughs> you go into school, you're a Christian on Sundays, you go to youth group, it's all fun, but you get invited to a party, or you get in, you get in I don't know, you, something... Uh, in a negative space, not all parties are negative, but say you're invited to a negative space and you have to make a decision. Do I put on my Christian uniform or do I not? It's going to be really difficult. I will say this, anytime I've opened up the door for a Christian conversation, all my fears usually dissipate. When I was getting my hair cut once. And people usually shy away from the Christian stuff slowly. But then they warm up to it. And they ask some crazy questions. Everyone's seeking. Getting a haircut once by one dude. He told me, oh, I used to be Muslim and then I converted to Christianity and got this amazing testimony. When the day comes that I need to cut my hair, I want to invite that hairdresser here to share his testimony while he cuts my hair. Live on stage. We'll raise money for something. If you've got any ideas, let me know. <laughs> Anytime I've opened the door to that conversation, it's always ended well. Don't be afraid. I am not ashamed of the gospel. I want to wear my uniform proudly like my sister wears hers. The spirit of the The spirit of the And of course, sacrifice. I guess I'll, I'll end with this point. It's the topic of every, it's the scripture that's read nearly every Anzac Day ceremony. Uh, my, none of my family members have ever been wartime. Uh, even my sister hasn't been deployed yet. In fact, COVID's really stopped the, <laughs> stopped the amount of time she can even get on the ship. She's really upset because she had these ideas of travelling the world. And COVID's really stopped that for her, so I pray for my sister. But obviously the Anzacs, past and in recent history, some of them have given immense sacrifice. 
but I can't even fully comprehend young men. Young men. Young women. Really young. As young as Dylan. You're getting a lot of shout outs tonight, Dylan. There's a story of uh, a story of Lance Corporal Elvis Jenkins. Lance Corporal Elvis Jenkins. He was at Gallipoli. He was one of the first to arrive at Gallipoli. And he had a souvenir Bible in his pocket. We know it was a souvenir because he picked it up in Egypt, previous to going to Gallipoli. And we know it was a souvenir because it was written in French. And for all intents and purposes, we don't think he spoke French. Because <laughs> he was an Australian. <laughs> So he keeps this Bible in his pocket. And on May 7 in Gallipoli, a missile comes, hits the ground, explodes, shrapnel goes everywhere, and a lead ball heads straight for his heart and gets lodged in the pages of this Bible. The Bible Society takes this Bible and tours around Australia. You can actually see it. I don't know where it's at at the moment. The the latest article I read said it was on display in Melbourne. And in that moment, he was saved. At that point, he wasn't a Lance Corporal. He worked his way up. Maybe he was saved for a purpose in that moment. Maybe his mission and his purpose wasn't finished. And he was one of the last to leave Gallipoli alive. Yes, because he was such a good soldier and such a good leader, he was sent to another area. And sadly, in that area, he lost his life fighting for Australia. Sacrifice. Sacrifice. And so tomorrow we honour men and women like Elvis Jenkins who sacrificed themselves for us. John 15, 13. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Greater love has no one than this. And we know that Jesus laid down his life for us. I no longer call you servants. Laid his life down for us. It's really incomparable to the Anzac story. The Anzac had a certain kind of sacrifice, but Jesus, even more so, taking upon the weight and the sin of the entire world on his shoulders. He reflected on this Good Friday. Everything bad I've ever done wrong, every every evil I've ever committed, every bit of darkness within me, he took it upon himself that whoever believes in him would not perish but have eternal life. He laid down his life for me. And I believe he laid down his life for you. All you have to do is believe in him. And in Australia, you can try and live with the spirit of an Anzac. Camaraderie, makeshift, mission, purpose, love, creative and inventiveness. And you can be proud like the spirit of an Anzac. And when you come to believe in Jesus, you receive the Spirit of God. And how much more can we live out these values in our church with the Spirit's help?
So uh, I would just like to end in prayer uh, for Anzac Day. Uh, a, a prayer of thankfulness and gratitude. And a prayer that we would learn to live out these values with the Holy Spirit's help. Because it can be. It can be pretty hard. Is that okay? It's a very somber sort of a night tonight. But that's okay. Because the young adults are about to go KFC. And when you see me chowing down on this juicy, juicy chicken, you're not going to be able to be somber in that moment, so uh, embrace the somberness while you can. God, we praise you and we thank you. We thank you for the, the troops, the Anzacs, the men and women who fought for our country, who defended our country so that we could have liberties and freedom, the liberties and freedom that we can embrace today. I pray that tomorrow we would have a posture of honour and respect, not one that glorifies war, not one that celebrates bloodshed, but a posture of honour and respect and of thankfulness for the men and women who have gone before us in sacrifice. God, I thank you that we can reflect on the spirit of the Anzacs, something that every Australian can be proud of. And I pray that we could learn to embody those values. And I thank you that because of your sacrifice, that you laid your life down for us, the ultimate act, that we don't just have to try and live out those values, but we can actually do it through the help of the Holy Spirit who can empower us and encourage us. God, we thank you and we praise you. If there's anyone in this room, God, who doesn't know you yet, is just on the edge, would you help them to realize that you are the Lord and the Savior and that they can completely not be ashamed of the gospel, that they can wear that uniform with strength and with courage, fully aware that you are God shine that light in the world. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. This has been a presentation from Narara Valley Baptist Church, a church that's desperate for God and passionate for people. To continue the conversation, we invite you to join us Sundays at 9.30am and 5pm or on our website at www.nvbc.info.